3: Ron and Anian. What is it about the radio show that you just enjoy so much? Because you sound like you're really having a good time. And I'm glad. You know what? I am having a good time. I really enjoy doing what I'm doing. It must be working with me. It must be working with Tom. And I only say that because I need a favor from Tom. Taking
4: what they're giving because I'm working for a living.
3: The Car Doctor.
4: But the other one is, was black and that's the one that was grounded.
3: I've never seen. any sense to y- me. Yeah, and I've never seen one that was black, to be honest with you, John.
0: Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian. The Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's
3: giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. I was thinking what would make people want to become auto mechanics. And maybe it's the, you know, the prestige and... Maybe it's the money, not necessarily, but I think the money's going to get there. You know, we were talking about this yesterday when the folks from Hunter Engineering came out. We were looking at the new ADAS system, Advanced Driver Assist Safety, and and talking about what does it take to get technicians into the field. And we had the conversation that you know they'll go out to a trade school, a Lincoln Tech, or a, or a, or a, you know some UTI class, and and spend their 20, 25000 dollars on a two year. Education or a year and a half education, whatever it is, and then they've got to come out and they've got to buy anywhere from thirty to fifty thousand dollars worth of tools in a toolbox of some magnitude or some size, and that's to get into an entry level position in a shop where they'll get you know fifteen bucks an hour and they're changing oil and and what are they learning? And you know, I'm not saying this is in every case, but it's just it just seems to be the image. Then I was reading and I was on All Data last night, AllData.com. Uh, They come out with a monthly news report. The folks at All Data, they're so on top of it. And they've got an article in there about Nissan and Chevrolet electric vehicle safety tips. And this is written by Rich Deagle. He's the senior automotive editor over there at All Data. And Rich opened up with a question. Can hybrid and electric vehicles be dangerous to work on? Next sentence. One word. Absolutely. And I read further down. And this is from Nissan that talks about the Nissan LEAF. The Nissan LEAF debuted in 2010. By December 2020, its global sales totaled half a million. Uh, 151,000 units were sold in the U.S. alone, so there's a very good chance you'll see one of these roll into your service drive. drives talking to mechanics. And it talks about the high voltage. And he said there's a warning there associated with Nissan LEAFs. Touching high voltage components without using the appropriate protective equipment will cause electrocution. I don't know if I want to work on one of those. I I guess I do, but, you know, um, I think it's like Tom Ray walking up to a tower with a transmitter, you know, and Tom has to be aware of when he's walking up, is he going to get electrocuted? It's it's a dangerous field, Tom. Yeah, it is, and, you know, it's responsible for part of this hairdo of mine. Yeah, I, I bet it is. I You know, it's, it's, but, you know, is that going to be attractive to a young person to think about the job is going to kill them? Uh, you know, in that sense, get electrocuted. It used, to be, it used to be just working on cars, and I don't know if, you know, it's just where are they going to come from. Um, and then they talk about the Chevy Bolt, that warning for technicians wearing medical electronics. You have to think about this, right? The vehicle contains parts that contain powerful magnets. If a person who is wearing a heart pacemaker or other medical device is close to these parts, the medical device may be affected by the magnets. Such persons must not perform work on the vehicle. What if you own that vehicle? What if you're driving that vehicle and you've got a pacemaker? I wonder if that affects you. Um, some good information out of All data. Find out more at AllData.com. Uh, their monthly newsletter is, is worth the price of admission alone. You know, Tom, I didn't mention this, but when we were doing the ADAS calibrations in the shop yesterday, and this isn't the fault of Hunter or Bosch or anybody. This is the way the vehicle is. During the calibration as required by the manufacturers, you have to turn on the radar unit and send out the pulse. So that oh, that's the, helpful. Yeah, and how close are you to the car when this happens? Well, you know, it's funny. All the everybody that was in the room kind of knew instinctively as soon as I said, "Okay, it's time to calibrate the radar." Everybody kind of it was like that moment in Alice's Restaurant. We stepped away from the Group W bench. Everybody kind of just like parted the waves, like Moses in the Red Sea. And do, you, know, do you know, what the uh, <laughs> do you know what the power is in the main pulse on that in no, the main uh, beam. No, but it's 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 something I've got to look at and, and find out because now I'm wondering. So. I I, be, I bet it can't be, and somebody will send me an, an email or a note somewhere along the way. We can't be that stupid that we're going to mount radar detect radar emitting devices into the front of a vehicle, and then it's following the vehicle from behind in the front. Are we being bombarded by radar? No, that that we couldn't be that dumb, could you we? be
1: bad? You want to well,
3: bet? No, we it can't, Tom. <laughs> we can't. It just it can't be that you know that yeah. crazy, um, but well, if you, yeah. if you can come up with the approximate frequency and the uh, power level. I'll. Uh, I can calculate the safe distance for you. Nah, I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna assume that 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 the manufacturers and the government is doing this right. They're so lawyered up and legaled up that it's got to be a hundred percent safe. Except for the part here where it talks about electrocution working on Chevys and Nissan. So, um, you just wonder. I wonder if everybody's aware of that. I don't know. Hey, this hour, if anybody calls up begging and pleading, we're gonna give away that book on the IROC Porsches that we've been talking about, written by Matt Stone. It looks like a great book. I haven't even taken it out of the plastic sleeve yet. Uh, Color pictures throughout, just all the history of the IROC races, IROC Race of Champions with Porsche, and uh, just be a great gift for Dad for Father's Day. We're happy to give that away this hour. And um, all someone needs to do is ask, and Tom has to have the right answers and the right questions. So uh, I leave that up to Tom. Right now, let's go over to Kurt in Arizona, 01 BMW 325i and an overheating problem. Kurt, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help?
4: Thank you, Ron. I've got seven cars around my house, not including the kids that come home from college to have theirs fixed. And uh, it seems like I'm talking to you every other week. Yeah, you're I a popular your you're you're a popular
3: guy. Well, anything I can do to help you, brother, you know that. So, what's going on?
4: <laughs> uh, I bet this car's got two hundred thousand miles on it. Um, just, I have replaced just, br- just broken the water pump. Yep. Uh, not not for a BMW. It? <laughs> 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 I. I i get rid of it, except for I can uh, take it apart now with my eyes closed. Right. Um, it's overhe- overheating when it's driven, not when it's just uh, idling, but when it's driven, it gets overheated. And uh, I have replaced the uh, thermostat in the water pump, although, as you always say, just because it's replaced doesn't mean it's, uh, it's new. It doesn't mean it's good. Right. My suspicion is the water pump. I've turned the heat on inside the car, and it's not pumping out heat in the car. Uh, I'm just trying to figure out what, what I should uh, look for, how I should diagnose it. Better. Well,
3: well, so how did it start? Was it one day it just started overheating, and then you put parts in, or you put parts in and then it started overheating? Which came first, chicken or the egg? Put
4: parts in and then it overheated.
3: Okay. so you repl- uh, My, da- you my re- daughter
4: was driving it, and the uh, the... Uh, serpentine belt came off Uh, so I think something froze up in there that's my that's why I think it's the water pump
3: okay so you replaced the water pump because the pulley was bad the water pump was leaking or what led you to condemn the water pump
4: Uh, it was leaking earlier on
3: okay and ever since that water pump went in it's been overheating
4: no not ever since then it's it's gone uh, four or five months without it overheating.
3: All right.
4: So this is the first first time it's overheated right now.
3: Okay. Water pump, water pumps are probably the most common failure for an overheat while driving on that on that era, vintage BMW. Now that being said, the electric the, the electric cooling fans. This car has electric cooling fan, right? Correct. The electric cooling fan is triggered through a module that's that's reading coolant temperature. So if the thermostat is off, I've seen it where the thermostat can create the overheat condition, but not all the time and be intermittent and random. Good quality parts, Kurt?
4: Uh, no, I'd say a medium quality
3: parts. Okay. So you got? Do you get? Do you have an O'Reilly Auto Parts by you? I did. Yeah, they, I, do. I think you do. I, I think I think you have a revolving charge there, um, in all our conversations. <laughs> so why don't you why don't you venture down to the O'Reilly Auto Parts, and just for the giggles and the peace of mind, see if they carry a Motorrad thermostat for that. All right, um, okay. you know I have the utmost confidence in Motorrad. They make OE level parts. They're they're OE quality. And at least that will eliminate the question of whether or not, you know, is the thermostat you put in there going to last long enough for the kids to enjoy it. And remind me, I have a question for you. I want to know how you made out with the Mini Cooper. Um, so that's that's number one. Then number two, before you take it apart for the second time, all right, the fact that this does this while driving and not while idling Kind of leads me away from the radiator. Although at two hundred thousand miles and twenty years old, I would hope that it's been done at least once, just on the basis of time. Because it's, if I remember right, it's a plastic. The radiator is a plastic side tank, correct?
4: It does have a fairly new radiator in
3: it. Okay, so the radiator's out of the way. Then you know where the expansion tank is. It's over to the driver's side with the cap. Yep. Got a, okay. got a new...
4: Tank
3: in it. Okay, so when the when the car is warmed up, all right, you should be able to bring engine speed up to about 1,600 RPM. There's a little there's a little coolant nozzle inside that tank, or I, I think of it as a nozzle. Basically, you should be able to, with the expansion tank cap off, car warmed up. If you bring it up to fifteen hundred RPM, you should see a stream of coolant shoot out that expansion tank to the other side. You know, it kind of sh- you know hoses the other side of the tank. If, if that's weak yep. fl- if that's weak flow you know there's no circulation there I've got to think the water pump impeller is spinning on the shaft. Those usually were plastic impellers. The old one plastic or, or aluminum what was it do you remember?
4: The one I put in is aluminum.
3: okay so it might just be spinning on the shaft. But at least, at least you'll know, look, look for circulation and judge it by that stream. There should be a real heavy stream coming out of that nozzle in the expansion tank. If there's not, you've got some sort of a circulation problem. All right?
4: And when it doesn't have the heat inside the car, isn't that a uh, symptom of not having a good water pump?
3: Well, it could be a symptom of a good water pump. It could be a symptom of being airbound. It could be a symptom of a head gasket failure. So you've you've got the potential for all three. One <laughs> okay. thing at a one thing at a time, brother. All right.
4: Okay. Well I I replaced this car one piece at a time so far. So well, you know,
3: that's like Johnny Cash said, that's what you're now earning the right to do, one piece at a time. How'd you make out with the Mini Cooper? Did you ever put an engine in it?
4: I think you need, must be thinking of a different Kurt. I just okay. don't have a Mini Cooper, thank all right. goodness.
3: We had a we had a Kurt with have, a Mini Cooper. Um, and I thought that was you. Well, listen, maybe I should find him and have him send it over to you. You like working on cars.
4: <laughs> I do, but uh, I enjoy my '72 Chevy and my old military jeep. They're they're simple and easy.
3: Yeah, very simple and easy. Well, hang on to them because cars aren't getting any easier. So, all right, let me run along here, Kurt. That's but uh, do those things. Call me back. Let me know if I can be of any further help. All right, kiddo, you be well. I'm Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor. We're back right after this. it's a little red Corvette or a Hugo,
0: you've come to the right place to get that car fixed. Ron and Andy in the Car Doctor. 855-560-9900. Now, back to Ron.
3: Hey, let's cruise on up to Johnson City outside of Binghamton and talk to Andy about his 07 Chevy Silverado. Andy, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. How can I help?
5: Hi, Ron. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, You're welcome. yeah So I was saying, I, I got a 2007. I bought it off my buddy. It's got like 80,000 miles on it. It's not bad with the rust. I had it oil undercoated the NH whatever it was right. for preventive. Sure. But as far as the tranny goes, what would you suggest? I hear both sides like just draining the tranny fluid, replacing or back. Is there this back flushing?
3: Well, we don't like the we don't like the flush transmission. We don't and really, I think the proper terminology is we don't flush coolant. We don't flush transmissions because that denotes pressure and we don't want to disturb older systems. With a lot of pressure, we want them to operate and maintain within their own pressure, so to speak, re- respective of whatever it is we're working on. Uh, you know, I would, if this is an 80,000 mile, has the fluid ever been changed? No. Okay. And what color is the fluid? What, is it, what does it look like? What does it smell like?
5: Uh, I never really did check it out okay I'm just...
3: so look at it you know normal trans fluid on that generation vehicle is, is is a nice clear clean pink it has no foul smell to it and now we're going to get into the you know judge it by what's the condition of the fluid and we're going to play the game of when do you want it to fail you know if it were me and mine and the fluid looked like it had a reasonable chance of survival i would start with a drain and fill dropping okay. the pan looking in the pan you know, do I see any particulate? Do I see any chunks? Do I see any parts? <laughs> you know, which is always a bad, which is always a bad sign. And sometimes you will listen. Over my career, I've 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 lowered many a trans pan. And gee, where'd that needle roller bearing come from? Oops. Uh, yeah. Um, but but and it leads me to my second part of my commentary. Uh, when would you like to know this? Do you want to know that the trans is about to fail two minutes before you leave on the family vacation, or do you want it so you can keep it, or do you want to know now so you can keep an eye on it and judge it accordingly? You know, and that's important, right? Right. So I would start with a trans drop. You know, drop the pan, lower the pan. We don't drop anything in the automotive world. Um, I would I would lower the pan, change the gasket, change the filter, clean the pan, clean the magnet that should be in there. Okay, mm-hmm. and put it together, and then drive it. You know, look great. at the fluid color before, look at the fluid color after. Judge how the trans shifts. Does it shift any better? Does it change? Does it modify? If it stays the same, great. And then in, I don't know, 5, 8, 10,000 miles, pick a number, let's do a fluid exchange. Let's find somebody that has a fluid exchanger. We don't have to drop a pan a second time, right? Hmm. But we can, because the pan's already been done, the filter's already been done, let's just do a fluid exchange. Probably run upwards of 18 quarts trans fluid through that, and that'll get all the old stuff out, and then see how that works. Chances are you'll be successful. All right. Oh, great. I, I will, I, I will, you know, I'm not promising, but I will tell it to you like this in my long career, I think um, maybe I'm going to say two. And the customers were all forewarned, but those transmissions had operating faults. They had characteristics. You know, it was either a, a, a slip shift or a flare or a clunk. Something wasn't right to begin with, and they were trying to fix it by fluid replacement. And I'm for that. I understand that, especially on an older vehicle. It would be the logical choice before you spend four to $6,000 on a trans overhaul. Let's try a couple of $100 service, okay? Um, you know, do that. But let me caution you here, too. You know, it's an 07. It's 15 years old. Let's not just think about the trans. When was the last time the transfer case fluid was changed? When was the last time both front and rear axle fluids were changed? You know, one of the things that I've learned over the years, Andy, is, and it's funny, people will always ask me about transmission, engine oil, and coolant. I don't get, I don't get as nearly as many questions about brake fluid, differential, axle, front, rear axle, front axle, and transfer case. It seems to be like a non-existent fluid in the public's mind. And the truth is, driveline fluids all should be changed on a regular basis. It promotes vehicle life. And the other thing to keep in mind is you're looking for trans maintenance ideas. Make sure the radiator is good, clean, and clear. Make sure that the front of the vehicle has no obstructions, that airflow is good. And the reason I say that is because how does a transmission fluid get cooled? Where's the cooler? In the radiator, right? Yep. It's It's been shown that a radiator that or a vehicle, a cooling system that runs, oh, I forget where the numbers were, 6 to 8% hotter, and maybe it'll reflect a little bit on the gauge, you're adding that much more heat to the transmission. And over time, that can shorten the vehicle's life. So maintenance is a... You know, it's a combined effort. It's not any one singular component, and that's my point. I appreciate the call, Andy. Do those things. Call me back with more. I'm glad to help. Enjoy your new Chevy Silverado. They're nice trucks. I'm Ron Anini in The Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. I'll be back right after this.
0: if you don't win your first bet. That's right. Up to $1500. Again, sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21+ in President Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 7 days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER.
1: This is it.
2: Follow the global story from the BBC, wherever you listen to podcasts.
3: Welcome back. Ron Nene, The Car Doctor, here at 855-560-9900. Here to take your calls and answer your questions. Uh, Before this hour ends, Tom, we're going to take the call, but... I want to talk about, there's a recent survey from the Pew Research Institute titled, Electric Vehicles Get Mixed Reception from American Consumers, and it talks about some of our views of electric vehicles. Very interesting story. I'd love to get the authors on, maybe to talk to them and see uh, a little bit more. But right now, let's go over and talk to Ross in St. Louis. Some questions about purchasing older Volkswagens. Ross, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help?
5: It's Raphael, but uh, good to be talking to you, Mr. Ananian. Yeah, I was I'm, in a few months, when uh, the weather starts to get cooler and hopefully used car prices come down, I'm planning on hoping to buy an older Volkswagen, you know, the five-cylinder cylinder engine. Right. But I hear that there are maintenance nightmares. Um, what's your opinion?
3: Uh, Volkswagen tends to be a higher cost-to-repair vehicle. There is a There is a parts availability issue on some of them. And yeah, you've got to be a little cautious, but it sounds like you're going to do the work yourself.
5: I mean, I don't mind doing maintenance like spark plugs, changing fluids, you know, changing the oil, things like that, but even a starter or an alternator. But, you know, anything more than that, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't want to do like anything major.
3: You know, how, how far back are we talking? Are we talking a 10 year old vehicle, a 15 year old vehicle? When you say older Volkswagen, give me a, give me a year range.
5: Um, anywhere from an 08 OH to, let's say, a 14, and okay. I'm thinking, like, a Jetta or a Beetle, um, or even, maybe even a, a, a Rabbit.
1: Right. Uh,
3: let me ask you this. If you're not going to do the, you know, beyond the normal service and maintenance work, who's going to do it? The dealer, or do you have a Volkswagen specialist in mind?
5: Well, my next-door neighbor, he owns his own shop. He's a, he's a Volkswagen mechanic. Right. Um, so he would do it. Um I just heard that they uh, break down a lot when they're older, and they're really expensive to fix.
3: Yep. True on both counts. But then again, listen, everything's, everything's expensive to fix. What do you drive right now?
5: Um, an '07 Cobalt, Chevy Cobalt.
3: Okay. So, that Chevy Cobalt four-cylinder? Yes. All right. So, you know, some different failures, some different repairs, some different maintenance it is comparing a biplane to a jet in terms of a chevy to a volkswagen the chevy is a simpler product the chevrolet breaks in different ways than the volkswagen so the question becomes why are you changing from one to the other what's it about the volkswagen that lights your fire
5: well i've always been interested in uh, purchasing one and uh yeah i've just always been interested in owning one
3: right so then does it matter really what it's going to cost Here's my, here's my point, kiddo, all right? Life is short. If, you gotta, if you've if got to drive a Volkswagen to have the experience, then it's something you need to do, you know? And it's, it's, it's not going to be stratis- stratospherically more money than owning that similarly aged Chevy Cobalt. It's going to be a bit more. Can I tell you, is it, is it 50%, 30%, 20%? No, because it really depends on what it is you're buying, And how good is the guy working on it? And, you know, to address that, have you talked to your neighbor and said, hey, if I buy a Volkswagen, would you work on it? You know, there's an old expression, fences make the best neighbors. Maybe he doesn't want that responsibility and that obligation, you know?
5: Yeah. Oh, he would work on it. He would definitely work on it. Okay. Um, He told me that, uh, you know, when the, you know, just things, same thing I said about maintenance and it being expensive, but. You'd and they work on it, but and they uh, are. I like the way you think.
3: You know, I, I mean, they are. They are expensive. It's, you know, it's cost it's cost per mile. But, you know, listen, there's just some things you have to do in life. I woke up one day and said, I drove a 72 Monte Carlo all through college, put almost 400,000 miles on that car before I got rid of it. And 40 years later, I woke up one day and said, you know what? I want another 72 Monte Carlo. I went out, I went out and I found one. You know what? I'm not sorry I did. Uh, y- you just get to that point. How old are you?
5: Well, this will be my midlife crisis car. I'm 52.
3: Okay. So if if you want this Volkswagen for another 10 years, you'll be 62 going, wish I had bought one. You know? Right. It's, it's, I hear you. Is, is it, you know, I always look at life, am I gambling with the butter and egg money? Am I gambling with the rent money? Am I taking money away from my kid's college? If the answer to all those is no, and the family can go on, you know what? You deserve a little R&R. You deserve to be able to smile. And you may you may own that car for six months and go, God, what did I do this for? And then again, you may own that car for six months and... You may come out of the house one morning wearing those, you know, little pointy Italian racing shoes, the scarf, the goggles, and the hat. I mean, it, you know, it, it, just, it just might be your thing, and it just might light your fire and make you want to wake up every day and go out and see the world, right?
5: Right, right. Uh,
3: cars are therapy. To a large degree, cars are therapy. And that's why, uh, you know, I'm, I'm confounded by those that just think they're transportation. Sometimes they are, but sometimes they're much more than transportation. So um, just be aware of that. Hey, listen, stay on the line. Tom just gave me the high sign. Uh, Your love of Volkswagen has prompted Tom to offer you the I Rock Porsches book written by Matt Stone. It's color pictures of the international race of champions, Porsche 911s, the men who race them. I think you'll really enjoy it. And uh, who knows, maybe your next car will be a Porsche after you get tired of the Volkswagen, all right?
5: All right, and thank you. Thank you very much.
3: You're very welcome. Stay on the line. Let Tom get your information. And uh, we'll, we'll get that right out to you this week. I'm Ron in The Car Doctor. We're back right after this.
0: It's a time of year when everyone is making plans to hit the road.
2: Follow The Global Story from the BBC, wherever you listen to podcasts.
3: Welcome back. We're on Nanny The Car. Doctor eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero 560 is the phone number. Again, eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. 560 Call, leave a message if we're not on the air. This show's live on the network Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. East Coast time. But Tom Ray can give you a call back and put you in the next live queue. Just all you got to do is leave a message. We're here to help you fix your car. That's the whole purpose of this show. If you're new to us, we thank you for that. And if you're old with us, we're glad you stuck around. Um, a recent article from the about the Pew Research Center that talks about electric vehicles. It's titled, Electric Vehicles Get Mixed Reception from American Consumers by Allison Spencer and Carrie Funk. Americans are closely divided, the article starts out, with over the idea of phasing out combustion engine vehicles by the year 2035, and many are on the fence about whether they themselves would purchase a chief alternative, an electric car or truck. A recent Pew Research report finds 47% of the U.S. adults support a proposal to phase out production of gasoline-powered cars and trucks, while 51% oppose it. My question is, who did they ask? Right. What you know, what are the age groups? And the article then goes on to talk about how it's it's the younger generation that's more for bringing in electric vehicles versus the older, which is opposed to it. But I want to know, is everybody aware of the facts and are we are, are any of us even aware of all the facts? I don't even claim to know all the information. Because everything I hear is yes, I get it. You know, electric vehicles less pollution, but to phase out the entire gasoline combustion engine family and bring out electric, I go back to where are we going to get the electricity from? It's just that simple. Where is this going to happen? We've got an infrastructure problem in the country. We need to build the electric grid up. We can't even do that. Seems like the government can't get that to happen because of uh, you know differences between the the, the legislators. But you just say to yourself, you can want everything you want, but how does it happen? When does it happen? And it doesn't seem to make sense. 7% of U.S. adults, the article goes on to say, say they currently own an electric or hybrid vehicle. Most of these owners, 72% of the seven, say they are very or somewhat likely to seriously consider an electric car or truck the next time around. You see how they play with the numbers, though? 7% of adults say they own an electric or hybrid vehicle. Many of these owners, 72%, they make it sound like it's a large number. 72% of seven is about what, five? So 5% of the population say they are very or somewhat likely to seriously consider an electric car or truck the next time around. But yet, 46%, 47% like the idea to phase out electric or to phase out gasoline engines by the year 2035. The numbers don't make sense. Three in ten Americans, the article continues, describe themselves as knowing a lot about electric vehicles. Well, there's a good reason. So let's listen to the three in ten who say they know more about electric vehicles and are divided about their openness to going the electric vehicle. Fifty-three percent of this group at least are somewhat likely to consider an electric vehicle purchase in the future. So three out of ten, 53 percent of the three out of ten are Somewhat likely to consider a vehicle, an electric vehicle purchase in the future, while 39% say they are not too or at all likely to do so. <sighs> Where are we going to get the electricity from? Where are we going to get the lithium from? Where are we going to get the infrastructure to support it? Um, I don't know. I, I, I just these articles are written very deceivingly. Uh, my job's here just to report the news, but it is frustrating. Research. Kathy is at it again. She's submitting articles again, uh, earning her pay. A uh, California startup now offers a full electric vehicle battery in just 10 minutes. Remember I told you about, oh, I don't know, four to six months ago, I said for the electric ve- electric vehicle to actually make it, they were going to have to come up with a a battery pack that would allow you to pull into a gas station, per se, or a, a charging station. They'd swap out the battery. That's what the article talks about. Maybe we'll get into that a little later next week. Let's go to the phones. Let's go to Blaine in Louisiana, a 15 Nissan Versa with a uh, check engine light. It won't run. Blaine, welcome to the car doctor. How can I help?
4: It, it
5: runs. It just it, it doesn't it doesn't go anywhere. It's like I put it in drive, reverse, low. I mean, I, I don't know
4: what could be the problem because I mean it was going fine, and then she parked
3: it. Next morning, she gets up to go to work. It doesn't even move. But the engine runs and the engine sounds normal. Yeah. Yes, sir. Okay, is it possible that one of the drive axles popped out of the transmission? Is it making any grinding noises or anything? Yes,
5: yeah, making like a little, a little noise, like a little grinding noise.
3: Like a little grinding noise. It sounds like either one of the drive axles popped out of the trans, or there's yeah. something internal in the trans that failed. That yeah. that that is a CVT trans, uh, yep. constant, constant velocity let me mm-hmm. let me tell you the sun's gonna come up tomorrow and somebody else's Nissan is going to do the same thing because it's a very common problem they do it yeah. all the time they've 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 got their issues um more than likely the trans itself failed how many miles are on it
4: uh, hundred eighty thousand
3: yeah it's you ever put a trans in it no, you're about to okay yeah just uh and I, I would at least. Have a conversation with the Nissan dealer. I'm not saying it is. I think it's out of warranty, but I thought Nissan had extended the warranty on some of those up to 150,000. Hence the reason yeah. for the you know, hence the comment for the uh, you know how many miles you have on it. But okay. you know, at a buck eighty, it wouldn't be unusual uh, in New Jersey dollars. Uh, I would estimate. I believe that trans is a forty-five hundred five thousand dollar repair. Just yeah. so you, just so you have my some idea, walking in. But the fact that you hear that the fact that you hear grinding isn't good. Yeah, more more than likely to get a new car. (laughs) Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, exactly. So hey, listen, you got you got almost two hundred thousand miles out of that one. It did all right, right? Yeah. So, but that's the deal, kid. All right, sir. All right, thank you. You're very welcome. You have a good rest of the day. I'm Ron and Any in the car doctor. We're back right after this.
0: Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare.
3: Welcome back, Ron and The Car Doctor. You know, two repairs kind of stand out in my mind from this week at the shop. And uh, I should also point that that we're going to start to report some of these on the website. Our Car Doctor Show website is just about ready for release. And uh, we're kind of hashing out the details again this week. Uh, One of the things they want is they want a daily blog or a weekly blog from me. And, you know, they said, uh, they asked me, they said, what would you write about? I said, I don't know. What do you want me to write about? And they said, well, what do you think? So I said, you know what? I would write about the things that go on in the shop and maybe it'll be maybe it'll be good for me it'll be of an emotional moment you know what are we feeling in the shop what's the insanity this moment this point at this stage of the game we had a 2013 Honda Pilot came into the shop this week it needed wiper blades how hard is this right it just needs two two wiper blades in the front and a pair of wiper blades in the back and it, unfortunately the blade in the front was fine The blade in the back, Honda decided that when they catch it on the hook on the back door, there's a little plastic tab that sticks off. Nobody in the aftermarket makes a wiper blade for the rear of a pilot with that tab, so it just doesn't sit right, and you'll wipe out the blade in short order. And I looked at that, and I said, look at how they changed the profitability of a simple repair. Honda's the only one that has that wiper blade. You have to go back to Honda for it. They've got you locked in. Yeah, the other way will work, but it won't work right and it won't last as long. And I looked at that and I saw, to me, that's the fragility of auto repair. That's how they can change things in an instant. They add one little hook, one little bobble, one little something, and they make it so unique, only the manufacturer can sell that part. That bothered me. And then on the, on the jocularity side, because, you know, funny things do happen. Yesterday, we had a blue Subaru we found in the parking lot when we came in. And no note, no keys. And about 20 minutes after we opened, the owner called up and said, Hey, Ron, I, I, I left my car, but I was in a hurry. I've got to drop the key back off. I've got a flat. The left front tire is, is losing air. And I said, Yeah, no problem, Rich. And he, he dropped off the key, and we fixed it. And before he called, though, the phone rang. And it was Jill from Allendale, the next town over. And she said, you know, I've got this blue Subaru. And I'm thinking, okay, so this is the Subaru owner's car. Because I didn't recognize who the cars was, who's the owner was of the car that was actually there. It got a little confusing. And she said, my Subaru's got a flat. And I went, oh, yeah, no, I, I, I know that. She's like, how do you know that? I said, because I can see it. How can you see it? I said, well, you're the blue Subaru, right? She goes, yeah. I said, "Yeah, you've got a you got a flat on the left side." She goes, "That's amazing." She says, "How do you do that?" "Well, come on, I can see it. It's right there." She goes, "Right where? It's right out front." She goes, "No, my car's not even there." I just, you know, I said, "Where's your flat?" She goes, "The left rear." I said, "Oh, well, this one's got the left front. At least I know I've got something close going on." Sis boom ba. Sis boom ba, right. Yeah, the great Johnny Carson. Sis boom ba, the sound the sheep makes just before it explodes. So, um Just, boy, talk about confusion. And I drove home last night thinking, what if this was an electric vehicle and they were all red? And it's, did you change the module? Which module? Which car? Which system? It's going to be fun. I'm Ron in The Car Doctor, reminding you until the next time. Good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.
0: ChumbaCasino.com. Jumba. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the I Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at